Um, the title of the sermon is today is When You've Been Burned, When You've Been Burned. And the text is this Genesis chapter 45. Uh, before I get into the sermon, though, I did want to, uh, I remembered a couple of other things. Uh, first, uh, this Saturday from 10 until noon, we're having an emergency food box distribution. So if you or someone you know is in need of food during this pandemic, uh, you'll enter in through the North Rutherford side of our campus. You'll drive to the mission house back in the back and get a, a box, and you'll be able to then drive out onto old Las Casas Pike. And so I did want to remind you of that. And I can't remember what the second thing was, so maybe it'll come later. But... Um, so this week I was reading this book. It's called On Fire and it's by John O'Leary. And when I was reading this book, I had this sense that somehow or another that it might make its way into the sermon today. Uh, this book is about a man named John O'Leary. John, when he was nine years old, after his parents had left the house, decided to go into his garage and to light a piece of cardboard near a gasoline can. The reason why he did this was because just a few days before, he'd seen some older boys doing the same thing, and it looked like a lot of fun. So he goes into his garage, he lights that cardboard uh, box on fire, and, and before he knows it, an immense explosion takes place, and John catches on fire. 100% of his body was burned. 87% of those burns were third degree burns, the very worst kind of burns that you can imagine. When he was taken to the hospital, the doctors came out and told his parents that there was less than one half of 1% chance that he would ever survive this awful tragedy. Uh, newsflash, if he grew up and wrote a book, he did survive. Uh, but his life was never, ever the same. He spent five months in a burn unit at a local hospital. He uh, also had over 24 surgeries, most of them skin grafts, the only place the graft could be taken was from the very top of his head on his skull. He lost all ten of his fingers as a result of the explosion. His life would never, ever be the same. And yet in the opening pages of this book, I think maybe on the first page, he recalls being asked the question one day, if you could go back, would you still strike that match. And John O'Leary said yes. Now we talked a little bit about this last week when we talked about if you could go back in time and thanks to everybody who caught on that that was a share song. I, I really meant to make a joke last week as I began the sermon that if you were thinking about that share song, if I could turn back time, I wanted you to have more clothes on Cher in your memory than she did in that video that she shot all those years ago in 1989. But I ask you, if you could go back in time, would you make changes? Would you change something about your life? 
And, and while I think that many, if not most of us, would, if we could, go back in time and make some changes, I, I suggested to you that it's not necessary. You don't have to be able to go back and change things because God, despite your bad choices and despite your terrible decisions, can take what has happened in your life and use it for good. And yet, uh, what is our role in that? I mean, isn't it nice that despite us or without us, God can take what has happened in our lives, all of those bad choices, all of those terrible decisions, and do something for good? But what is our role in that? Are there not choices that you and I might make that would help God to usher in those good things that God decides to do in and through our lives? I mean, when you've been burned... You can either focus on what's gone on in the past and what you can't change, or you can choose to make some decisions in the present moment that might lead to a better future for you. So this week, while I still want to acknowledge that God can work for good in our lives, even without us, and even despite us, oftentimes we can make choices in our lives that will help that good thing that God wants to do occur in our lives. It can take someone or something that's been burned, whether physically or figuratively, and make them beautiful. And so this book here is about some of those choices that John O'Leary made in his life to make something beautiful out of what was burned. He fully acknowledges that God was at work all along, but he also recognizes that he had some pivotal choices to make in his life that helped bring about that good thing that God sought to do in his life. I couldn't help but think of Joseph as I was reading the story about John O'Leary. Because you remember Joseph, we've talked about him for a couple of weeks now. He was Jacob's son. Uh, Jacob was married to several women, but there was one woman that he loved more than any of the other women, and her name was Rachel. Rachel only had two children, so surprise, surprise, that one of those children, Jacob would love more than any of his other 11 children. It's sad to think about, but that's what the scripture says. It says that one of the ways that Joseph manifested his love or displayed his favoritism for this one child is he gave him a coat of many colors. It was an exquisite and expensive coat that none of the other brothers got, and all of the other brothers were jealous as a result. And then Joseph didn't help matters at all whenever he decided to go out into the field with his brothers and whenever he would see them doing something that they weren't supposed to do or he'd see them not doing something that they were supposed to do, he would run back and tattletale on them to daddy. And so the brothers were already jealous of him, but then they grew to despise him. They actually grew to hate him. And so one day when daddy wasn't around, those other brothers decided that they were going to conspire 
to kill Joseph. And it was only after older brother Reuben and older brother Judah objected and then suggested that they do something else, that they decided not to kill Joseph. Instead, they decided to throw him into the pit and then later they decided to pull him out of the pit and to sell him to a bunch of travelers that were going by, sell him into slavery so that they could be rid of Joseph forever, his dreams wouldn't come true, and they'd have a little money in their pocket as a result and so that's what they did and we talked about that last week well if you went home and you read what happened in the scripture after last week's passage you know that when Joseph was sold into slavery that God uh, used it for good that, that God showed favor to Joseph that God was with Joseph and so the person that actually bought Joseph was a man named Potiphar he was the Pharaoh's chief uh, he was the commander of the royal guard he was a very very influential man and, and this man Potiphar almost immediately began to see the potential that Joseph possessed. And so he began to put him in charge of more and more things. And guess what? Not only did Potiphar benefit from this choice, from this decision, but Joseph benefited from this decision. All because Potiphar saw this potential in Joseph. But guess what? Uh, Joseph, uh, the Potiphar's wife also saw potential in Joseph, uh, not as a worker, but as a lover. And so she began to make all of these advances to Joseph, uh, trying to get Joseph to have an adulterous relationship with her. And each time that she made these advances, Joseph did not reciprocate. And this angered Potiphar's wife so much that she falsely accused Joseph of trying to sexually assault her. And as you can imagine, when Pharaoh heard the allegations that his wife had made against Joseph, he was very, very upset, and so he threw Joseph in jail. So things are happening in Joseph's life, none of which that he would have been particularly happy about. I mean, Joseph had been uh, thrown into a pit, and, and then he'd been thrown into slavery, and, and now he's being thrown into jail. This is not the way that Joseph would have written the script of his life. And, and, and as I'm reading this story, I'm thinking about all of the excuses that Joseph might have made in this moment. He, he could have said, you know what, I didn't choose to be born to the woman that my father loved more than his other wives. And I didn't choose to be loved more than any of my other brothers. And I didn't choose for my father to give me a coat of many colors that he didn't give to anybody else that made them jealous. And I didn't choose the fact that my brother's won't do what they're supposed to do when they're out there in the field, and yet I feel obligated to tell my father about it. And I didn't choose when they stripped that, cloth, that coat of many colors off of me and threw me into a pit, and I didn't choose to be sold into slavery, and I didn't choose to be uh, entered into Potiphar's house, I didn't choose to seduce his wife, and I didn't choose to be thrown into jail. I didn't choose any of this making excuses, it's not my fault. He also could have 
couldn't you imagine just go to God and pray at night and say, because I didn't choose any of these things, I didn't, I didn't bring any of these bad things upon myself, I'm just going to sit here, God, and do absolutely nothing until you either do something good in my life or I'll just be resigned to nothing good ever happening in my life. That is not what he did at all. He did not make excuses. I suspect that what he did was is that he made choices. I suggest that he sat around and he thought about it and he said, there's absolutely nothing that I can do about what's happened to me in my past. There is nothing I can do to change everything that's happened up to this point. But there is something I can do in the present moment that might have a positive impact on my future. I can choose to make decisions and take responsibility for my life now in the hopes that it will make my life better in the future. And so he began to make some of those choices. One of those choices is when he's in prison. He's in prison for a long time and then all of a sudden Pharaoh gets mad at a couple of his servants and so Pharaoh throws his two servants into jail. Uh, they, while they're in jail, have dreams. Neither one of them can interpret those dreams and they don't know what they mean. Well, Joseph makes a choice. He offers to help interpret those dreams for them with the help of God. And in one case, with one of the dreams, the one with the chief cupbearer of Pharaoh, the wine steward, he, he tells the wine steward that his dream should be interpreted so that he will know that one day he will again be in the good graces of Pharaoh and that he will be able to do the exact same things that he was doing before he fell out of favor with Pharaoh. And all Joseph asked of this chief wine steward was is that when you get back into the good graces of Pharaoh, will you remember me? Will you tell Pharaoh about me and how I interpreted your dream correctly in the hopes that maybe I will get out of jail? Well, it doesn't happen as quickly as Joseph would like. The wine steward gets put back in the good graces of Pharaoh, but he forgets to say anything about Joseph, who had rightly interpreted the dream. A couple of more years go by, and Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh can't understand his dream any more than the wine steward could understand his. He tried to get all sorts of uh, experts to interpret his dreams, and no one could. And then that wine steward remembered, hey, I remember when I was in jail, this guy Joseph interpreted my dream correctly. Maybe he could interpret your dream correctly, Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh goes and gets Joseph out of jail, and Pharaoh brings Joseph to him, and Joseph rightly interprets the dream. He says, your dream means that for seven years there's going to be immense abundance in, in our world. But then after that seven years of plenty, there's going to be seven terrible years of famine. And then Joseph made a choice. Joseph told Pharaoh, you know what you need is somebody like me who can help you during these years of plenty store up grain so that when the years of famine come, we will have more than enough. 
And Pharaoh thought this was a wise decision. Pharaoh thought this was a great idea. And so he put Joseph in charge. And for seven years, Joseph took a portion of all the grain that was harvested and he stored it away so that when the seven years of plenty were over and the seven years of famine began, then they would have enough food. Joseph, because he made that choice to offer himself to help Pharaoh, Pharaoh now had a purpose in his life. His purpose was to look toward the future, not to look back on his past. And so when that famine came, people from all over the world came to Egypt looking for food because they heard that they had enough. And among the people who came were Joseph's brothers. And when Joseph sees his brothers, he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And in that moment, he had a choice. Joseph chose uh, to be either a victim or a victor. Uh, he could have remembered how badly his brothers had burned him. He could have remembered how awful they were to him. He could have remembered how they'd thrown him into a pit and then sold him into slavery and how he'd ended up in jail. He could have remembered how they despised him and that they conspired to kill him. He could have blamed them and shamed them for all that had happened to him in the past. He could have refused to feed them. He could have even killed them. He had that much power in his life. But as you heard in the story today, he chose not to focus on the past, but he chose to interpret the past in light of the present. He, he chose to say that, you know, God has been at work and through me and the choices that I've made and then just in God's divine providence and sovereignty, God has been at work bringing us to this very moment. So I will not choose the past. I will choose the present. I will not choose to be a victim and to take my victimhood out on you. I will choose to be a victor because God has put me in a situation now to help you. Joseph chose love. Joseph invited his brothers to come closer. He told them not to worry he was going to interpret the past in light of what was going on in the present. He saw all the choices that he had made and even the bad choices and the terrible choices that his brothers had made working in concert together to bring about good. Joseph essentially says what John O'Leary said is that if I could go back, I wouldn't change a thing because through the decisions that I've made and through God's working in and through our lives, when you burned me, God used it to make the present moment beautiful. It is so good to know that even without us or despite us, that God can work for good. But it is also important for us to know that we often play a role in the good thing that God wants to do. And that regardless of what's happened in our past, we can make choices in this present moment not to feel like we're the victim, but that, that God could use this present moment to take us to victory. How we decide to respond after we've been burned 
makes a huge difference in what happens in the future. Thanks be to God that we can, who have been burned can be made beautiful.